Hello and welcome to another episode of Cyberspeak with InfoSec Institute. Today's guest is Eric Stevens, Vice President, Engineering, and Principal Architect at ProtectWise. Eric is going to tell us about a recent white paper published by ProtectWise entitled The State of AI in Cybersecurity. Eric Stevens leads engineering, technology architecture, delivery, and infrastructure of the ProtectWise cloud-delivered network detection and response platform and related technologies. Eric joined ProtectWise as a founding team member and the company's principal architect. He drives innovation in security for IT and OT environments. He's an experienced architect for distributed systems de uh, design, data processing at massive scale, and cloud computing. He holds a BS in computer science from Millersville University of Pennsylvania. Eric, thank you for your time today. Thanks for having me. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about your security journey. Where, where did you first get interested in computers and tech, and how did you transition specifically to security and engineering? You know, um, and I'm not sure I ever really transitioned into it. Uh, <laughs> I... I fell in love with computers the very first time I ever touched one okay. at my best friend's house when I was probably like seven years old and he had a Commodore 64 and we, uh, and we learned how to write Mad Libs so it asked you little questions and it created silly sentences. And like, I mean, the very first experience I ever had with computers was programming. Um, you know, so my cousin gave me an 8086. Um, you know, I did some PW Basic. I got involved in DBSs. Um, when I got into college, I started doing, you know, uh, packet capture and, and fuzzing and, um, and trying to exploit systems. I learned a lot from, you know, mail on my mailing list, like bug track. So man, for me, it's, it's always been there. It's been in my DNA. So and, you're, you're a lifer. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm definitely a, yeah, a lifer. So to my parents' dismay when I destroyed computers as I was <laughs> understanding them better. I learned the hard way what a, what partitioning means, you know? Oh. So, <laughs> Also, the reference to Commodore 64 means we are exactly the same age. Um, so uh, let's let's start out by defining our terms here. When uh, we, we're we're talking about AI and cybersecurity, uh, and so when we talk about AI as it pertains to security and cybersecurity and AI related uh, enabled projects, um, what exactly are we talking about? What is what kind of tasks is artificial intelligence doing with regard to online security? You know, it's. It's, it's a broad term and different people mean different things. Um, it's, there's some, I mean, it, it has a very strong definition, but how people interpret that is a, is a bit subjective and it's uh, unfortunately subject to a lot of marketing confusion. A lot of people calling things AI or ML that may not justify the term. You know, I think though, when most people think about AI, um, they're, they're thinking about some of the more statistical disciplines like machine learning, artificial neural networks, deep learning and other things like that. Um, you know, the term is broader than that, obviously. Uh, you know, we have things like chatbots that, that have no automated learning technically count as AI, but I don't think it's right. what people think of. Mm. Um, from the perspective of the research that, that we did on this front, um, we sort of left it up to interpretation of the respondent to respond according to what they think of when they think of AI. And I think that, that those statistical ones are probably where most of the respondents were coming from. Uh, so what benefits do AI-enabled security products have over other security packages? Like what, what type of real-time strategies does AI allow you to utilize that might not be otherwise available? You know, um, a lot of it's about in, enabling humans still. Um, it's creating associations that aren't obvious to humans. Okay. Um, identifying anomalous behavior, uh, picking out insider threat. Uh, where you know you may not be able to have a human review an individual's emails from a privacy perspective, but you okay. can have AI get in there and do that, and then raise a flag when you see problems. Mm -hmm. um, and then 
you know, probably from, from our perspective, from my, my personal perspective, some of the most interesting stuff is um, getting into uh, automating investigation and, and responses and, uh, and improving, especially improving an analyst's ability to, to do that, pulling together the, the right information and saving them the, the time of having to go find that information on their own. Uh, so what types of companies these days are using AI-enabled security products and, and why? Um, you know, it's it's not strongly in industry or size dependent, the companies of different sizes. I mean, our research focused on, on companies that were a uh, thousand employees plus. Um, so we're not, we weren't looking at, you know, SMBs, but, um, you know, it's there's, there's not a strong size element and it passed that threshold there. Um, it, it tended to be more based upon the alert volume. And we didn't even find in the data that, uh, that it was based on the maturity of, of, the, of the security team. Even um, small security teams were as, li- were as likely to be implementing AI as large security teams. But, but the, the bigger driver was really about what their alert volume is. People with more alert volume are investing more in, in AI. Hmm. Um, there's, a, there's an alarm fatigue problem there, perhaps, that they're, that they're trying to, to address. Okay. Um, so we're we're talking today about a white paper that Protectwise um, posted about you know um, sort of statistics about AI uh, enabled uh, security measures, and you noted that uh, companies on the whole, their executive class more than the security team members themselves, are the primary drivers of enthusiasm for AI enabled security. Why do you think this is? Um, you know, I think there's a there's there's a number of driving factors behind that. I think um, there's some element of it is thought leadership. These are people whose function is to be leading the charge and making okay. sure that the organization is modernized and up to date and um, definitely don't want to miss an opportunity there. They want to take advantage of the tooling that's available to them. Um, there's always a little element of you know CYA covering their bases, making sure that, that they can answer responsibly to their, their own superiors that, hey, you know, are you guys using this this hot new thing that I heard about? And it's like, oh yeah, we want to be able to talk about it informatively and be able to say with high confidence that what what value you get out of it and other things like that. So, um, you know, I think that's that's part of the function is just, is to be the people that are out there in the lead and, and, and driving that forward. Uh, do you think that there's a sort of reticence amongst the in, in the trenches type security people about AI based security um, fears that it sort of would incur redundancies or layoffs in the department? Um. I, you know, I don't think, I'm not sure that most security analysts today are, are worried about redundancy and, and layoffs. Um, I think there's, there's the, the state of the art in, in, at least in cybersecurity, AI is still very much about empowering humans, okay. it's about addressing the cybersecurity, cybersecurity skills shortage, other things like that. Um, I don't think the sort of the in the trenches people are, are worried about that replacing their jobs at this point because, um, you know, there's, there's there's a lot of problems with AI still. There's a there's a long way to go. There's a, a lot to do before AI would be uh, would be in a position to begin replacing jobs in, in in this industry. Also, in other industries, that's probably less true. It seems like there might be a perception, at least you know, when I was spitballing these questions around the department, I, it sounds like there might be some misunderstanding about what exactly AI based security can actually do. You you may to to from what I'm hearing, it sounds like it's nowhere near at a point where it can replace like an actual security person. It's more automating sort of low level processes and stuff. Yeah. I think, I think the it's somewhat it's automating low level processes. I mean, if you take the very broad definition of AI, uh, things like automated runbooks, they, okay. 
probably technically qualify as AI. There, there may be some concern about about that sort of stuff, but it's you know you're talking about replacing level one analysts, not not somebody more senior. Um, and I think this the skill shortage is still such that I mean my my opinion on this is that the skill shortage is such that that um, there are there is so much more demand for those positions than there are the number of people to fill those positions. Right. Uh, we're trying to figure out how to tap the next generation. Um, you know, as, as a side note, Protect Vice has some really interesting research uh, and, and uh, thought leadership in, the, in that space about how to how to bring in the next generation and other, and other things. But um, we're, we're a little bit off topic for today, but that's okay. Um, we're very interested in the skills gap right now. We're talking to a lot of people about that, so that that, that fits right in there. Yeah, the skills gap is is the biggest concern, and I think uh, from my perspective, the skills gap is part of why an analyst wouldn't. The typical analyst wouldn't worry about that. I mean, I'm not saying that that nobody does, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that if, if that fear is out there, it's it's a little bit unfounded at this point, um, and and definitely, it's, you know, cybersecurity AI is nowhere close to being able to do that, except for very basic functions. And um, and, and instead, I think what you see is AI is in a position to empower those humans by taking away uh, some of that mundane work. Um, you know, when you're investigating uh, an incident or a potential incident, you're trying to figure out how bad is this? Is this bad? What's going on here? Um, you know, it, a lot of a lot of AI is in the position to help pull together the relevant data for you rather than you having to go find it yourself. It's and, not actually doing the processing or the interpreting or the suggesting of solutions or anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, that stuff is out there. That, okay. that stuff does, does exist out there. I don't think that um, it, it's not trusted enough for people to, to uh, really depend on it from an automation perspective. Um, I forget the numbers that I have in here. Um, you know, fifty-four uh, percent of our respondents in our survey said that um, that results are inaccurate and, and, and untrustworthy and, and need human review. So that's ah. that's that's a high threshold. Okay. So, what are some of the um, big security risks currently plaguing AI-based security solutions? Are there any particular types of vulnerabilities or undeveloped aspects of the AI that hackers are able to take advantage of that they, you know, might not get through like a, a human firewall. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, probably some of the biggest concerns and the things that are, that are most difficult to control for in the current environment in the current ecosystem is, uh, there's, uh, absence of controls around something called, uh, adversarial AI or adversarial machine learning mm-hmm. where, um, you, if you are able to, to synthesize some data that's being considered by a machine learning algorithm, for example, especially if it's like a, a labeled algorithm, um, you you can poison the results. You can and you can cause it to come up with incorrect answers, and that those those incorrectnesses could be uh, false negatives, um, but possibly potentially worse, depending on the motivation of the attacker, could be false positives, where uh, you've successfully convinced that you know the firewall that um, your uh, Payment processing systems are uh, are an attacker because no humans involved in there. A human would look at that and say, "Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna firewall off that yeah. system. It's way too it's way too critical." But AI isn't gonna have that that objective judgment um, or that subjective judgment to be able to do that, and it's just gonna potentially uh, you know cause disruption in business continuity and other things like mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, the false the false negative problem is also security has false negative issues, uh, so it's it's a variation on a theme as far as that goes. 
Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, the automated sprinklers going on because someone microwaved their burrito too long or something like that. You're <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of stuff is strong, strong solutions to non-existing issues. So yeah. uh, so within within that sort of um, framework, what are some of the limitations of AI based security? I mean, you know, is, is there sort of a human element involved where, you know, if you're sort of setting the AI to look for the wrong things, they're going to give you back the wrong results or, you know, are these things that need to be considered when you're implementing? Yeah, I mean that the false positive right is is a big deal um, for for certain from a, a limitations perspective. Um, most respondents felt that, or, or about just shy of half of respondents felt that it's it, it's very high maintenance in the sense that it's very difficult to create rules in, in AI. Like it might be harder than just not bothering. Um, you know, there's a huge false positive problem. Um, that that was a, a majority of people felt that way. Um, you know, almost two thirds of people felt like AI, no AI solutions on the market today offer a significant advantage for, for zero days and they're getting a lot of mixed results. Um, it's still very hard to use. Uh, it's hard to reason about the results. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of machine learning algorithms present a judgment on something and they can't really tell you why. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. not in a way that a human can understand it. Is right. These signals happen to correlate together and, and indicate with some, some percent confidence that there's a problem here, but I can't really tell you why, because I just know that, there, that when those happen together, it tend, it, it's an indicator of a problem. Um, um, it's, it's, often, it's often inactionable from an from a, okay. okay, so our overall our organization is sending more bytes to China. What, what can I do about that? There ah. may not be a lot. Right, right. Um, so in a sense of the learning curve of AI, is there a, a possibility that some of these deficiencies will sort of naturally fill themselves in over the course of time? Like if your your AI system is giving back false positives, can you sort of retrain it to sort of have more discernment? Or is this just a blind spot you're always going to have to sort of interpret with, with humans? It, um, I, I think that we will improve that ability over time as an industry okay. as a whole. Um, I think as we as we get access to larger and larger data sets, we can do a better job of, of protecting against that. Um, you know, I think that there's also just a matter of setting your, your confidence thresholds appropriately. If you're talking about machine learning based AI, for example, um, you you have a slider that you can say only only alert me about this when you go above this level of confidence. Gotcha. Um, you know, the, the false negative problem means that everybody would prefer to, every every security vendor would prefer to have a false positive because, you know, nobody's nobody's too upset when you say, hey, this was bad and it wasn't, but it, but it, they get real upset when they say, when you say, hey, this was good and it wasn't. Um, you know, I think there's going to, there'll be better better uh, controls given to analysts to be able to set their, their own thresholds and, and, and make the decision on the adopted risk versus the alert volume that they want to see out of there. I mean, alert volume's a big concern. Um, it's sort of uh, unusual and the, the, the research data that we have shows an unusual result in that um, companies that invest more in AI tend to be those companies with higher alert volumes initially. But then number one of the number one complaints about AI is it's alert volume. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it may not, it may, it may not be helping the reason that the, the addressing the fundamental problem that is why they're seeking out AI in the first place. So from a sort of a 10,000 foot view, what improvements would you like to see in AI-based security programs in the future? Uh, you know, that's, <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> okay. Um, 
yeah, I think I think data collection is is one of the biggest things that you know data is the new oil, and and companies that have access to really large data sets are going to do a much better job in AI. But um, you know, the the, the the visceral improvements that we want to see as analysts is we want to we want to see that false positive rate come down. We want to we want to have better confidence when this thing says it's bad. I want to have really high confidence. You know, um, in in AI at large, false positives aren't as much of a problem. You know, if you um, ask Google Images to describe what's in an, an in a photo and it says it's a banana but it's a cat, like wow, oh, that's funny, and we move on with our life. And it, and right. The con there, there's low consequences there, but in, in security, the consequences are a lot higher, a lot more visceral. Um, so, so our threshold for acceptable failure rates needs to be a lot less tolerant. Um, the, you know, the ways that we can do that is is understanding the problems better. AI, especially ML-based AI, uh, machine learning-based AI, benefits the most when we understand the problem space really, really well. And I would say we don't, we often don't understand the problem space as well as we should in the security industry. Uh, and it makes it hard for us to use to use AI to address problems when when a lot of our response to those problems are are just sort of gut check, gut feeling about things, and there's a lot of subjective analysis that's still being done rather than uh, really deep dependency on on data and other things like that. But when you're talking about AI, without the data, you're not going to be successful. Uh, so going back to my other question before, it doesn't sound like it, but do you uh, see other industries utilizing AI? Uh, to find solutions to human AI questions without simply sort of laying off a swath of the skilled workforce. I think we're all worried about, you know, Skynet and so forth, but um, uh, you know, is, do you think that sort of AI is, is sort of even being considered for that, that sort of role or is it really always going to be this sort of subservient uh, low level processing role? You know, um, there's a New York times article that I actually learned about from you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, that, that talks about this and, um, you know, I think behind closed doors, yeah, people are absolutely looking for machines to replace humans wherever they can get away with it. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's sort of the, the the dirty secret. People don't talk about it publicly, but you know, from a corporate profitability perspective, there's always going to be a drive to in, improve your profits, and uh, and so if there's a way to do that, if and if it displaces displaces humans, then they're going to do that. Some uh, I think some uh, job functions are more susceptible to that. We see not even you know non-machine or non-AI based uh, solutions to reducing workforce count in things like supermarkets with automated checkouts and yeah. you know, self-checkouts and um, and ordering kiosks in, in a fast food joint instead of instead of talking to a cashier and uh, those, those sorts of things. It's, it's not a problem that's unique to AI. It's a problem that is, it's been around for, yeah. you know, um, all the way back, it goes all the way back to the 1800s in the initial industrial revolution, and right. we're talking now about a fourth industrial revolution. And that one, I think, is is using computers to replace people even more than than ever before. Um, that sounds really depressing, but I'm op I'm optimistic because the the job functions that can be replaced by by AI and by computers today, um, and it has been going on for a while. Those those functions are are people that are being displaced by that find eventually find better options their overall quality of life has improved we no longer have children losing fingers in uh in knitting machines you know this right. is life is getting better on the whole and it creates a temporary disruption for some people and it's unfortunate but it's it's inevitable i think um even if even if we don't want it to be that case there is there's it's inevitable that that we're going to end up there anyway because corporate profitability demands 
Yeah. Um, so in sort of in the meantime, as, as you know, jobs get shuffled around and so forth, are there any particular skill sets that you recommend to employees who might be fearing, you know, the rise of the machines or whatever, you know, whether problem solving or sort of logic things or, you know, not necessarily just like tech things, but how do you sort of make yourself sort of more desirable against automated functions as an employee? Uh, it depends on what your function is and, and what your tolerance is for, for changing your career. When we talk about cybersecurity in particular, I think that, um, you know, AI is still very much about enabling analysts. I don't think it, it, within cybersecurity that that concern is, is a long ways away. AI has so much to go before those problems become, you know, real problems for individuals. Um, in, in other industries, if you are a, you know, like, a cashier at a fast food joint and you're being replaced by a terminal, then you know, your options are going to depend on what your capabilities are and other things like yeah. that. Um, if this, if, if the transition into this stuff is slow and, and it has been so far, then, um, then natural solutions sort of present themselves. I think to people, uh, they, they find based on what their capabilities are, they find alternatives, but you know, going again back to security specifically, the, um, the humans are being empowered by AI rather than being replaced by AI. Mm -hmm. um, do you see any security issues on the horizon for other uses of AI, not just those that automate security? Um, as you say, with like, you know, automated kiosks and so forth, what, are, what, what other sort of security issues should we be watching out with regard to that? You know, um, I, actually, one of the things that, that I probably lose sleep over is, is offensive use of AI, uh, okay. where hackers begin to deploy AI against us. And now, I mean, you have machine versus machine, and it's a little bit um, fantastical, but it, it it's not impossible. The, the attackers will begin using that stuff. I think I think we're you know less than five years away before we start to see major initiatives that are that are AI driven offensive attacks. I think we'll probably see it first in the form of things like spear phishing and other things like that, where mm -hmm. a bot can collect enough data about a person to create a really believable phishing attack against them. Um, yeah. You know, there's a, there's a chance that as um, as data breaches and other things become more, more public, we'll, uh, attackers will be able to use um, AI for passive vulnerability assessments. Say, hey, this, here's the weak points in that company based on a breach that they had before. I can, I can learn more about them and, and attackers get access to enough data, especially state-sponsored attackers have access to enough data to be able to passively identify problem organizations. But beyond the offensive uses of AI, uh, I think people are possibly aware of it, but there, but AI is increasingly entering our personal lives. Um, how many people have uh, an Amazon device in their house, or or a Google Home, or um, or the Facebook One? You know, they a AI is entering our everyday lives in a very real way. Every, most people have Siri or Google's Assistant on their phone. Um, it's all around us, and there's there's a significant amount of uh, privacy concerns that that, that generates is that, that becomes ever more deeply embedded in our lives. Uh, so as we wrap up today, um, tell us a little bit of your company, ProtectWise. What are you currently working on as VP of Engineering with ProtectWise? So uh, ProtectWise, we'll start with that part of the question. Um, <laughs> we're a network detection and response company. We deliver entirely out of the cloud. Uh, what we focus on is detecting the uh, known uh, vulnerabilities as well as unknown attacks that we see in our customers' networks. We, um, we also offer rich investigation and forensic res response tools. We, you know, we start as a network packet capture um, 
we we store and index all the packets and make them searchable and, 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 and immediately uh, retrievable. Um, we created a whole set of response tools. Uh, we have the ability to openly query network history and uh, look for patterns. And we also, uh, you know, whether they're threat related or not, and we also go very deep on visualization. We're big believers in in shedding the norm from a visualization perspective. We don't like bar charts. We don't like pie charts. We like to uh, improve the way that that an analyst can interact with data. Um, on the second half of that question, you know, the what, what are we working on? Um, we're working on going deeper. We okay. uh, we need we always need more data. We have a lot of data. Productwise has a, has a significant data lake. We use it um, all the time to improve our detections and, and, and do investigatory uh, analysis and, and just threat hunting. Uh, but we want to go deeper. We want to get deeper into networks. Uh, we want to cover more of, of customers' networks. And then especially when we want to use those things in order to uh, improve our ability to detect unknowns. And so that's where we're spending a lot of our engineering time these days is, is getting a lot better about a rigorous scientific approach to detecting the unknowns. We don't, we don't want to just you know, go out there and, and fall uh, afoul of the marketing trap of, of saying, oh, we have behavioral analytics, we have this, that, we, you know, it's a, it's a classic bites to China function. Right. Um, you know, the AI is not yet in a place where security where organizations should be able to depend on AI exclusively. Um, we, we need other solutions in, in tandem with those. And so what, that's what we're trying to provide is, is the combination of those. We want to, we want the traditional solutions. We want the AI solutions. We want to bring them together in a meaningful way to be able to enable people because as it stands today, companies can't depend on AI like they, like they maybe would want to. So, so if people want to hear more from you about all this, Eric Stevens is, do you have any, uh, do you have a Twitter or blog or anything, anywhere you want to send people personal website? Oh, you know, I, uh, yes, I, I'm sure we, I mean, there's protectwise.com is our, is our, is our corporate website. Of course. Okay. Um, we, we, people can try out our product on there. We have a test drive that you can, you can pop on and you can uh, sign up for a test drive and, and get a, get a chance to play around with it for a few days and, and get a sense for, for how we think about visualizations differently and how we think about detections, uh, both for the known and as well as for the unknowns. Um, I, I have a Twitter. I'm not especially active uh, on it. Um, it's, it's red Eric, R E T E R I C. Um, but yeah, I think, I think our protectwise website is, is where to go to find out a lot more about our, about our company. Perfect. Eric, thank you for being here today. Thanks very much, Chris. All right. And thank you all for listening and watching. If you enjoyed today's video, you can find many more on our YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com and type in InfoSec Institute to check out our collection of tutorials, uh, interviews, and past webinars. If you'd rather have us in your ears during your workday, all of our videos are also available as audio podcasts. Please visit infosecinstitute.com slash cyberspeak for the full list of episodes. Podcast listeners can also go to infosecinstitute.com slash podcast to learn more about our current special promotions. And finally, if you'd like to try our free security IQ package, which includes phishing simulators you can use to fake fish and then educate your friends and colleagues in the ways of security awareness, please visit infosecinstitute.com slash security IQ. Thanks once again to Eric Stevens, and thank you all for watching and listening. We'll speak to you next week.